Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Welcome to the show, Adam. So great of you to make it. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for uh, that. Were you thinking about starting without me? <laughs> uh, I, I had a thought uh, about our... So um, we're obviously recording this a little bit in the future of when it goes out, and I don't think that's a secret to anybody. But as yet, we have not heard peep out of the Star Trek Writer's Room Twitter account or anybody from CBS about joining the writing staff of the new Star Trek series that's coming out in 2017. And Are you surprised? I, well, I mean, frankly, a little bit, given the siege that our listeners have kindly laid uh, against them. Everyone's been blocked <laughs> who is, <laughs> who's written them. Yeah. I'm sure we've been blocked, too. Uh, yeah, by now, I mean, it's anybody's guess. But uh, one thing I... One thought I had is that uh, we don't really have any network writing credits to our names. And while I think... Uh, Speak I for think yourself. I wrote four episodes of Blue Bloods, season <laughs> one. I walked my dog past the Blue Blood set four times the other day because it is literally two blocks from my house. Oh, fun. Have you uh, run into Selick? Uh, I have not run into Selick, but my friend is in the costuming union, and she worked on that show for a season. And when it was over, she said, hey, this sweater uh, was Selick's in the show, and we're getting rid of it. Do you want it? Shut the fuck up. Ralph Lauren sweater, and I totally inherited a Selick sweater. You got a Selick sweater? Yeah. Oh, man. It's a real thing of beauty. It's one of my prized possessions. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. But anyways, the idea I had is every show these days has their their like their talking dead, their their recap show afterwards, right? Right. The the like talk show format show that happens after the show. The show after That's, the show. We're perfect for that, Adam. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we'll we bring are. our we'll we'll bring our signature good natured snarkiness and uh I mean, I wouldn't even call it snarkiness so much as just, like, uh, we'd give it a good ribbon and, and we'd celebrate it at the same time, the way you, we do Star Trek The Next Generation. The show would be ribbed for everyone's pleasure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Dude, I think this is a great idea. I think we would be better suited to that than, than writing the show. And that way we get to stroke our egos by having our mugs on, on camera and everything, too. You know what, Ben? Fuck it, let's do it anyway. Like, let's do an after show anyway. Oh, whether or not, like, a, like, if they don't authorize it, we just, we just do it? Let's just fucking do it. <laughs> oh, man. Look, let, let's hold back a little bit. Like, maybe we will, maybe we won't. And, and yeah. maybe if they want to pay us to do it, that'd be cool. I just don't want them to feel like they don't have to buy the cow to get this yummy, yummy milk. Oh, yeah, they got to jerk these udders. Uh, mm -hmm. to get that milk out that's for sure <laughs> so that's the new idea i mean like don't stop telling them you want us to be writers fair listener because that uh tickles us pink every time sure that's uh, called uh that's called negotiating you negotiate ahead of the position that you'll actually accept 
Yeah, that's called leverage. Right, it's, right. It's called so, dressing for the job you want, not the one you have. So what we want is to be on the studio lot at Paramount or CBS. What, what, what we'll accept is a basement in Tarzana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can arrange a basement in Tarzana. <laughs> I believe it. All th- right. That sounds great. Do we need a do we need a hashtag for that? Uh hashtag Ben and Adam for a recap show? I don't know. That is way too much. Yeah. They're, they're like all these shows have these recap shows. You got your you got your After the Dead, your what is that? The Walking Dead after the, show? The, the, the Talking Dead, I think is what it's called. Right. You got the Talking Dead, you've got your After the Throne, which is the Game, the of, Game Thrones of Thrones post show. You got your Blue Balls, which is the the uh, <laughs> Blue Bloods after show. Yeah. Everyone's very excited about that show. Mm-hmm. So, I just think that, I think we'd bring a unique level of, of goofiness and, and love to that, uh, to that type of enterprise. Much like we do to Star Trek The Next Generation. Exactly. See, I see, I'm closing this the circle now on tape, this. This is our audition man. Yeah, yeah. I, I see exactly what this is. Everything up until now has led us to this point. Mm-hmm. This is our resume. Yep. This is our CV. Curriculum vitae. Curriculum vulgaris. Curriculum virulent. Let's begin season two, episode 20, Emissary. Let us begin it the correct way, Adam. Oh, someone's got some podcast fluid. <laughs> this episode uh, was very Klingon The Bachelor, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I suppose it was. I guess uh, it would have been nice to see Worf in a tuxedo, but a girl you, can only dream. What do you think a Klingon rose looks like? <laughs> uh, probably more about the thorns and less about the bloom, if mm. I had to guess. Well put. So the episode starts off with the ship cruising to mediate a dispute well it starts off with a poker game oh shit yeah i got ahead of myself so the episode starts with our second poker scene of the series which is super fun yep uh it's a uh a pretty classic collection i think it's uh yeah i think it's the same poker group as the one the first time we saw a poker scene except data isn't wearing a stupid hat yeah, he's not. He's not wearing his nineteen uh, fifties accountant hat, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, like they they do have to toss in the the uh, perfunctory data doesn't get an idiom line where he says that he bends his cards, right? And uh, they say, "No, data, you fold your cards." Data um, would not understand rap music if he didn't get <laughs> idioms. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, data listening to a Talib Kweli verse is just like, it'll uh, put his neural net into a real funk. Yeah, he'd totally shit his pants on that record. They're all trying to enjoy this game, and Data is being really condescending to Worf, implying that Worf doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Uh, We get, as far as I'm concerned, as much confirmation as we're ever going to need that Pulaski and Worf banged based on how they interact. And you can't get... see their feet underneath the table, but I think you I think you can guess there's some foot action happening under there. Looks like it's just us, handsome. I'll see you. I sometimes wonder, because like, we sometimes make jokes on this show that 
you know, we came up with ourselves, but then like somebody will send us some like meme or like YouTube or something where somebody makes like a kind of like kind of gets at a, a similar comedic premise to us. And I wonder if anybody has come up with the fact that Pulaski and Worf definitely banged. You know how we use the Baker Street drop for Wesley? Wesley, the boy. The boy. Young Wesley Crusher. My son. Uh-huh. I think we should use like some Glenn Miller song for Pulaski and her love interests. <laughs> You're gonna have to pick that out, Adam, because uh, that's a that's an area of of music that is uh, very obscure to me. I can do that. So, anyways, they get this emergency message that breaks up the game, but Worf has put himself in a commanding lead in terms of scarves. Uh, they run up to the bridge, and they're they're being ordered to head to a just kind of a generic set of coordinates that don't, you know, they don't know what they're going for or anything, but it's like a, it's a big, it's a big Starfleet priority that they get there. And as they're headed there, they get FaceTime from a nice old lady uh, in an Admiral uniform, which is like a totally different Admiral uniform than the ones we've seen so far. But uh, she informs them that they're going to be meeting a an emissary from the Federation who's going to brief them on their mission. And it's like, this is like a matter of t- top security. So, yeah, it's pretty tense. Yeah, they give the ship a set of coordinates. They're like, go meet your emissary at this spot in the galaxy. And it's just out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and so, you know, they're trying to like kind of backtrack what what this could be you know they they're like well it's kind of near a sector that's been recently colonized but it's not actually in that sector doesn't really seem to be anything there that we're not picking up any ships on long range or anything so we don't know what the fuck is going on but eventually they get the message that the emissary is being transported in essentially a torpedo tube that can travel at warp nine uh, and they've taken out the like uh you know the bomb part right they've taken they've taken out the the guts and put in like a bed <laughs> like a like a military cot and it, uh, it's a super efficient way to travel but like have you ever gone on a business trip and gotten like the last rental car on the lot <laughs> that kind of seems like the situation here like not ideal yeah so they pull this maneuver where they sort of like pull in alongside this probe grab it in a tractor beam and then they beam the entire probe onto the transporter pad and uh it's like it's a little bit like thawing han's carbonite out Ooh, they've encased him in carbonite he should be quite well protected if he survived the freezing process, that is. There's like a little bit of a procedure toward getting to getting this thing open and getting its inhabitant out. And the first we see of the inhabitant is just like a crazy space mask that has no no opening for the eyes. It's real creepy looking. Yeah, there's she's wearing like a scuba mask, basically, <laughs> yeah. like a rebreather, like a bondage scuba mask. <laughs> Oh yeah, and, uh, that that's that's why it's familiar to me. Yeah, scuba gimp, Adam. You know. It is a guiding principle of a dark-beating face. Now you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth. 
But they pull it off, and it is a very lovely Klingon woman. And uh, Riker is like, is like already smooth talking her with Klingon. Like he he does not skip a beat. Riker's like, hey, are you Susie Plaxton? <laughs> you look like that hot Vulcan doctor from the Schizoid Man. Yeah, that was in this same season. Yeah, exactly. So they're recycling scripts and they're recycling guest stars. It's great. Yeah. I mean, maybe they felt bad about how much sexism got just dumped on that poor woman's head in that Schizoid Man episode. And they were like, ah, all right, we'll have you back. We'll give you, a, we'll give you an actual juicy part. As an actor, I think that's kind of cool. Like, she didn't have much to do in Schizoid Man. And they saw her chops and were like, hey... Let's bring you back and put some shit on your forehead. Yeah, you got a little something called it. You got a little something called a lot of room on your forehead to put some shit. <laughs> That's what it is in uh, in Star Trek parlance, in casting. One thing I wondered looking at the Klingons in this episode is uh, I think we know uh, as people who have been around special effects makeup that that is like foam essentially it's like Mm -hmm. latex foam Mm -hmm. that that stuff is made out of but i i wonder what it's what the texture of it is supposed to be you know if if klingons were real because that's supposed to be like real hard surface or is it supposed to be kind of soft oh like like if it's bone and skull or if it's cartilage like a like an ear because if it's like, I mean, if it's like my forehead where there's basically like a layer of skin over bone. A lot of like, bone. That's where like, that's where like some bleeding happens, you know? Like if you, if you get a cut there, that shit bleeds like a motherfucker. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, has anyone ever been stabbed in the forehead on the show? Uh, any, any Klingon <laughs> at, at all? I think I'd like to see that. It's like one of those cyst videos on YouTube. You stab oh, love, a you stab yeah. a Klingon in the forehead. It's just pus. Yeah. If anybody's into that, there's a uh, there's another subreddit uh. called Reddit dot r dot popping, and uh, boy howdy is that a a stomach churning couple of hours that you can spend on the internet. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to click through your Reddit history, my friend. <laughs> oh, I always turn uh, I always turn on private browsing when I go to that site. <laughs> Well played. Yeah. So my wife knowing that I watch zit popping videos on the internet. <laughs> I don't want my wife to know I watch zit popping videos during. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you on your phone? <laughs> Shut up! I'm almost there. <clears throat> so uh Riker takes her hand and lifts her to her feet, and we get to meet Kalar the half-human, half-Klingon emissary that's been sent to the ship. Mm-hmm. And uh, She talks about the fact that she's half-Klingon the way that I feel like a lot of white people talk about the fact that they're part Native American. <laughs> you know? Like, Kalar should be wearing a fringed suede jacket. Yeah, and like, I'm one I'm 134th Seminole. Kalar goes out of her way to say that, very specifically, her dad was a Klingon and her mom was a human, which to me is like the sexual equivalent of telling someone that Shaquille O'Neal is your dad and your mom is like Betty White. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't think it works the other way. Like if it's a Klingon woman and a, and a human male, unless that human yeah. male is Riker. 
Yeah, my my dad is a is a Tibetan mastiff, and my mom is a Chihuahua. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just seems very very disturbing sexually. Yeah. Well, we don't know. Like, I mean, it might have been that the uh, that the Klingon guy was kind of kinked out in a human-ish way. Oh yeah, maybe his thing was humans. Yeah. But anyways, this is, I, I feel like she's an interesting character. and She, she definitely and gets her teeth from her mom. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, she had a nice set of choppers. You don't want to get cursed with Klingon teeth if no. you're half human, half Klingon. They're obviously impossible to floss based on every other Klingon we've seen. Your bite guard is going to be fucked up if you get those Klingon teeth. She and Troy hit it off pretty quickly, and I feel like this is, as much as it's a Worf episode, I feel like it's kind of a Troy episode, too. That's fair. Uh, we get a lot of Troy character development in this, like more than in a Troy's mom episode, uh, even, because Troy is just kind of one note annoyed with her mother in Troy's mom episodes. Mm-hmm. In this, she's like talking to a character that has some kind of, you know, like similar... They're both biracial. Uh, right. They So they they both like have, you know, feet in two worlds and they have they have an interesting conversation about that. One of them has a weird forehead... <laughs> One of them's wearing dark contact lenses. They're both into popping videos. <laughs> Here, let's pull something up on this pad. <laughs> Ooh. Did you see that? I'm going to squeeze it. This is a standard psych evaluation I do with any emissary that comes aboard the ship. <laughs> How does this make you feel? <laughs> so Kalar gives him a briefing about uh, why she's there. And the deal is... There's a ship full of unfrozen caveman Klingons that are that are on a ship and they're headed towards Federation territory and they're about to be woken up. And if they wake up... They're, they're, without, they're not woke yet, yeah. but they're pretty sure they're shook. <laughs> yes. I mean... And you don't want somebody to be shook woke. Friends, Ben right now is addressing uh, the teenagers in our audience. And the tweenagers. <laughs> So shit's going to go down if these Klingons wake up because they think it's 40 years ago and they think right. they're still at war with the Federation. They are like Japanese officers marooned on a small Pacific island, uh, you know, 30 years later thinking that World War II is still raging. Right. And um, and that they, like, need to do the emperor's bidding. And so uh, this wouldn't really be a problem except for there aren't any Klingon ships close enough to meet up with these guys and uh, give them the bad news about the war being over before they will tra- traverse this newly newly populated portion of Federation space, which they were talking about earlier. And if these Klingons see all of these defenseless settlements, they're going to consider that a target-rich environment and uh, light them up, and uh, that'll be a catastrophe. You and know what K- I'm saying? And Kalar's like, look, this is going to be super easy. We're just going to go intercept the ship and blow the shit out of him. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's not going to be an issue. We'll just destroy the ship. And Picard immediately is like, whoa, that seems a little aggressive. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Maybe there's a plan B we can come up with. Hey, Worf, why don't you work with Kalar and, and come up with an alternate an alternate plan? And Worf is not down with this Worf- at all. Worf totally loses his cool in this. I mean, like, he starts this uh, this briefing 
completely losing his cool. Like, completely drops any pretense of professionalism when she walks in. Aren't you going to greet me? I have nothing to say to you. And then just sits there, like, grumbling through the whole fucking meeting. They all leave, and Picard is like, Worf, what the fuck is up your ass? And he's like, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll do the work. I, I'm... I'm sorry. Worf's the kid in high school chemistry who gets stuck with like a lab partner that he hates and he just can't bear <laughs> he can't bear to work with her. And we soon find out it's because they had a relationship together. Cuz the next scene they're trying to work on their plan B, which is like one of the stupidest sets I think we've seen in all of season 2. Like the f- first time they came up with a bad science lab set. Yeah, it's real bad. And I think part of it is that it's super well lit like all the other yeah. science labs are pretty dark and and cool looking but this is like super hot uh there's like it looks like a uh like a like a internet jukebox in the corner <laughs> that Worf walks up to and and hits buttons on yeah he kind of he, he's kind of making a uh Riker leaning wall out of this out of out of this jukebox and the because... exposition in this scene is is like Kalar is like hey you know, I haven't forgotten about that time that we banged. And, yeah. War- and Worf is like, uh, I kind of have. I've moved on almost yeah. completely. I mean, and this is a hard ruse for him to keep up because we should say, say that she shows up to work in, like, the <laughs> sexiest possible clothes. Yeah. She's in, like, a form-fitting, one-piece, shiny red sex outfit. Do you remember the the uh, the Spider Woman comic book of like less than a year ago that got a whole bunch of shit because it really sexualized the character of Spider Woman on it? Uh, I don't know if you're into comic culture. I don't. At all, I, I don't keep up with it. No. Anyways, she is dressed as Spider Woman, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it works for her. I, I think that basically in this episode, if we had to chart out the sexiness of Kalar's costume it's like a bell curve like the at the beginning it's like medium it's sexy. a double bell curve i think would be more accurate well it, it goes up and then it goes back down it's at the beginning it's medium sexy then this scene it's like mega sexy then the next uh outfit she puts on is like impossible sexy then she goes back to the red outfit toward the uh toward the middle end and then she's back in what she showed up with by the end of the episode right Right, and I mean, I love me some Susie Plaxon, but she plays this pretty broad, like she's as in your face as her her costuming in this scene, and they get into a huge fight, like they do that escalating the tension scene where mm-hmm. they go line for line and they get closer and closer, and they're, and eventually they're just like yelling at each other's faces. You think yeah. they're going to kiss, but she turns away and walks out the room. It really looked like they were about to just get down right there in the science lab. Yeah. But, yeah, she walks away, and uh, she goes and finds any any room that she possibly can that has a glass table, because <laughs> all she wants to do is karate chop a big slab of glass. The glass furniture budget in season two is enormous. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, every time you see one of them, you're just like, that fucking thing is doomed. I mean, you know, you know they're doing a couple takes, too, so it's not just one. Yeah. Like, uh, Susie, can you give us a little bit more pathos when you <laughs> chop through that table with your bare hand? Yeah, and you know when they block the scene with a camera shooting through the table, that that table did. <laughs> Just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken. 
It isn't long after this that Kalar does a thing that everyone seems to do lately, which is burn off some steam on the holodeck. <laughs> so she rolls up to the holodeck and she's uh, she's browsing the possible programs and comes across yeah. one of Worf's programs. And it this says, is her her mega sex costume option. Right, right. It's only gotten more sexy for her. And uh, and Worf's program is called Calisthenics, which I think is great. It's <laughs> yeah, like, it's so good. It's like calling one of Riker's programs Mormon Prom Night. Like <laughs> it just totally undersells what's actually happening in there. Yeah, uh, so she goes in, and it is the it is the program with which we are familiar. Uh, I think this is like in the f- like the first or second episode of this season when yeah. Worf and Riker were uh, were going head to head with some creepy monsters in here. And as and, soon uh, as Kaylor walks into the holodeck, she pulls on the power glove. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and she has like a pretty good combat scene, and uh, Worf winds up kind of coming and finding her uh and uh he like watches her finish off the last guy and she's like this is kind of uh this is kind of a kind of a lightweight calisthenics program you have here Worf. yeah this is pretty weak shit guy yeah and he goes and picks up some uh some swords and has a great line of computer increase to level 69 (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's basically where they head because they get invigorated by all the violence, and then they do uh, what they came to do. Which is smell each other's fingers. <laughs> I think they got the order all wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing that this scene makes very clear is that Michael Doran was getting some pretty pro manicures uh, while he was uh, playing this character. Yeah, part of Klingon on foreplay fingers. is like, taking the other person's hand and squeezing it shut with your hand on the outside until it bleeds. Yeah. Until you bleed your own blood. Yeah. I have a I have a, uh, a Star Trek canon question for you, Adam. Shoot. Undiscovered Country, one of my favorite of the Star Trek films. Uh, there's mine, a scene, mine as well. There's a scene where a bunch of Klingons get blasted in zero-G, and there's, like, CG purple blood floating around Mm. and uh it's the only time i can think of where klingons are depicted as having purple blood we know that vulcans have green blood but why why are they have like normal like stage blood in this in this scene well i think you've hit on a pretty significant continuity error um if any of our listeners have an answer to this question i'd encourage you to wrap it around a can of soup (laughs) <laughs> and send it to Ted Cruz. <laughs> He'll really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could just be a uh, an atmospheric thing too. Like, uh, like human blood is supposed to be blue, right? If it's if it's not exposed to the atmosphere, maybe, maybe. that's maybe that's it's the same with Klingons. Oh, it, there's like different gases in the air on a Klingon ship. Oh, I'm sure there's plenty of gas in the air on the Klingon <laughs> ship. That's a that's good head cannon, Adam. I really like that. Head cannon. Is that what we're calling it? Yeah, that's like when you kind of like have to get there yourself. It's never explained properly. Oh, okay, I get that. I thought I thought you were uh, you were describing a sex position that uh, <laughs> that Kalar and Worf were going to get to. 
<laughs> after this holodeck <laughs> session because it gets pretty hot and heavy. Yeah, and when they're done... Um... Yeah, so at the end of the scene, uh, like the scene kind of goes on for another beat because Worf proposes marriage to her like on he the doesn't spot. Really, he doesn't even really propose. He just starts like yelling shit at the ceiling, and she's like, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. I don't want to be married to you. And he's like, but we are married. And I guess in Klingon culture, if you bang, that's it. Yeah, a Worf is sort of a save it for marriage type of guy, and now that they got that out of the way, I guess it's on. I never saw the promise ring on his finger, but uh, I guess it must be on there. Like, if you were to translate what Worf is screaming out to himself, he's like, Do you, Kalar, take Worf <laughs> to be your lawfully wedded husband? Like To have and to hold, <laughs> for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health. Yeah, yeah, and she's like, no, 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 shut up, shut up, shut up, don't even say it. Like yeah. I'm not in. All, all those uh, all those creepy monsters are like getting Hava Nagila queued up on the boombox and getting getting a chair so they can come over and raise them up over their heads. They stand up out of their pool of blood, dust themselves <laughs> off, and like straighten their bow tie. <laughs> hey, skull guy. Yeah, yeah, creepy turtle man. Skull guy does the uh, does that thing where he pats down his pockets looking for the ring like, <laughs> like, that just kills at every wedding. Yeah, <laughs> little turtle guy is the flower girl. Uh, we could go on. Vagina face bug man is uh, <laughs> drunken best man speech. I don't know. I don't know. Oh sure, yeah, that that plays. <laughs> uh, anyways. Uh, they get in a big argument because she really doesn't live by the kind of codes of Klingon honor that Worf does. and She picks and chooses. She's a, uh, what is that? What is it called? She's a cafeteria Catholic of, right. of Klingon beliefs. Yeah, and she's, uh, she's also like mostly, I mean, like I, I think she's like the kind of person that understands that you should know how to fuck and who you want to fuck by getting some experience before you lock your shit down in holy matrimony. Yeah, I don't get the feeling that Worf is very sexually experienced, huh? It's. I think that this is his first sexual experience. I think we just saw Worf lose his virginity. Oh, shit. Yeah, like that's the implication, right? Like when you fuck, you're... Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and he, I mean, he said, he said from the jump that... I mean, that, his Klingon that, virginity, that, uh, we know that he banged Pulaski. right. Right. I mean, like, Pulaski's a shiksa. Like, this is marriage material. Kalar's the girl you introduced to mom and dad. Right, right. They kind of end this in a, in a poopy fight and, and uh, do not resolve their dispute in this scene. They appear to be at an impasse. Back on the bridge, this, uh, this Klingon ship is coming in hot and... Kalar kind of talks them through the scenarios and, and she's like, okay, like if they're still frozen when we find them, we can beam on board and like stop the automatic thaw process and we can just wait until a Klingon ship can come and, and deal with these idiots. But if they're not thawed out, like we're, we're basically going to have to deal with a potential combat situation. Because We've got to euthanize these guys. Right. And like, you know the Klingon logic here is pretty is pretty easy. Like like nobody's going to be pissed on the Klingon homeworld if the Enterprise does what Kalar is advocating, which is just blow them out of the sky. You think? Like no, because they're going to be like, yep, like they died honorably. Oh yeah, Good I guess so. Yeah, she's totally thinking with both sides of her brain, 
but Picard is like never willing to extend that kind of like he does he he has his own morality in which he is very self-assured and so he's not he's not going to endorse a a tactic that is unnecessarily unnecessarily violent and so what they uh what they decide on is Worf and Kalar get get all gussied up in in uh in, in Klingon, Klingon regalia. Yeah, yeah, and Worf like Worf like really puts on a, a, an awesome lean on this chair. Like he 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 makes Riker's man spread uh <laughs> look like Picard's man spread when he when he sits down in this in the uh, in the captain's chair. Klingon man spread has pimentos in it. <laughs> yeah, delicious on toast. Uh and uh, they start getting shot at by the Klingon cruiser, and they get them on on FaceTime, and basically, you know, just big dog them into shutting up and sitting down and taking it easy until the other Klingon ship can show up and and sort things out. Yeah, the story they tell is like, look, uh, there's peace between the Klingons and the Federation. Look at me, I'm a fucking Klingon, and I'm com- I'm commanding a Federation ship, like. What more proof do you need? Yeah. Like, how out of place does this look? Yeah. It looks pretty out of place is the answer. I fell in some ice and later got thawed out by some of your scientists. Your world frightens and confuses me. Yeah, you sort of wish they could have, like, you know, had a hollow projector on the bridge and put some some other Klingon personnel peppered around the other stations, but it's yeah. just a bunch of like skinny humans in their in their uh, pajamas. Yeah, the contrast is pretty hilarious. Yeah, so uh, so it does take a little while for the Klingon captain to agree to this. But did you ever but, feel like the Enterprise was in danger from uh, the Tongs attack? No, I think that the the weapons are like so old that they're just not even really. They gave them a couple of mini bangers. About. Yeah, there were some bangers, but they kept saying like the shields were holding, and I feel like if a like this is like one of the big types of Klingon ships. It's not the it's not the uh, bird of prey. It's the it's the battle cruiser, and I feel like if if the Enterprise gets in a scrap with a Klingon cruiser, it's it's gonna have some some fucking trouble you know yeah yeah i mean i was wondering if if the enterprise could ever accidentally destroy it given its relative age yeah yeah it's got to be kind of an antique right right (laughs) they uh i mean it's a good thing that uh the enterprise's record against super old klingon ships is totally untarnished like (laughs) like there's no possible way that an old klingon ship could ever destroy the enterprise i think that that is something that we can guarantee at this point. That's a good point, Adam. But before we move on to the final scene, I do want to make the point that the, I think the Klingons on the bridge of the Klingon ship are like perfectly cast and costumed in this scene. Like they look like Klingon hillbillies that are coming off of a seventy-five-year meth bender. Like they <laughs> look so fucked up. <laughs> I think it's because they got like real gaunt faced white guys in the Klingon uh makeup and uh I don't know it, j- it was just real effective for me like I was like man those guys do look like they've been frozen and and out in deep space for a long time. You can tell reason. they've got the old FaceTime too without the wide angle camera cuz the other two guys really hug in close yeah. with the captain. 
yeah, to fit in the, the frame. It's it's before they put an HD camera on the front facing. Yeah. My love is a So the button on the episode is uh, Kalar's got to beam over to the ship and just sort of complete her mission on on like onboarding this crew of Klingons to the idea that they're 40 years into the future and and things aren't quite what they remember in terms of Federation Klingon relations. And so Worf and Kalar roll into the transporter room and Worf is like, beat it, O'Brien. I'm going to do this <laughs> one myself. Yeah, and uh, they have kind of a touching moment here, you know. She says that, like, she was actually pretty tempted to get married to him, and... Uh, Worf totally Jerry Maguire's her. Yeah, like, like I think her concern when he started yelling at the ceiling about about uh, Burukhatad and I and all that was Worf was doing it because he was supposed to and not because he loved her. Hmm. And I think Worf really did love her. And, yeah. And I think that he really, like, transmitted that fact to her effectively in this scene. And uh, it was kind of touching. I think it's interesting that in Klingon culture, uh, you yell things at the sky uh, when you want to marry someone. And then you also yell things at the sky when someone dies. I think, I think the relationship with those two is pretty <laughs> similar to how it is in human culture. Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, cry out to let the dead know you you scored a hot babe. Yeah, or your <laughs> life is over. Yeah. <laughs> that that went dark. I'm sorry. <laughs> How are things going for you, Ben? Things good? Yeah, I'm a little bummed out. <laughs> I, uh, I just <clears throat> recorded an episode of my, um, well, it's a podcast. I don't want to tell you what it's about. <laughs> You'll just usually, think it's dumb. It's usually fun, but... Uh. <laughs> yeah, and that's the end of the episode. Kind of ends on a, a little bit of a down note, I would say. Yeah. I like this episode, though. I mean, I think that, uh, like a lot of Star Trek episodes that deal with love and romance, I'm often baffled by the the kind of retrograde understanding of how that's supposed to work that's evident in this old show you know from 30 Mm -hmm. years ago Mm -hmm. but all in all i enjoyed myself watching it and and uh i thought i thought the plot was pretty fun and there's a couple obvious holes but overall it like it moves and it's not an insane trash fire like some of the (laughs) recent episodes this might this might seem good compared to the other shit that we have just recently watched so i don't know yeah, I mean, we might be getting some uh, proximity bias to yeah. the episodes that came before. I think it just proves again, like, when you give Worf's character something to do, he's a really interesting guy. And, you know, like, nine out of ten episodes, he's like the cigar store Indian of <laughs> of the storyline, and he's just, like, there. <laughs> and... I was really I mean, sad to see Kalar go. Like, I know she's going to be back for a couple of episodes, as I recall. But, like, man, if she was more of a regular, a featured player in the yeah. cast, I think it would just be a lot better uh, for for Worf's character development. But also, like, in terms of entertainment value, I thought she yeah. and Worf together were great. 
Well, and Troy as well. Like, Troy has also really not gotten much Yeah, what does she have to do? She doesn't have a friend since uh, Yar died, and, and it seemed like this was the first friend that she's made in a long time. Right, and, like, this is, like, the first time we see what a great counselor Troy is. Like, like she starts kind of talking to Kalar in a semi-professional tone after they've already kind of been friendly with each other, because Kalar comes out of... You can tell she wants to go to Ancestry.com with her right away, and then she just sort of (laughs) chills out on that idea. Yeah, I mean, like, Kalar is is pissed because of this confrontation she's had with Worf, and and catches Troy, like, trying to counsel her, and she's like, no, 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 and and Troy suggests the holodeck, and you can tell that, like, like that's that's some, like, psychologist jujitsu that Troy just pulled on her, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I thought that was great. Like, this is, like, the first time I can remember, like, really seeing Troy as good at her profession in a way that we can see. And it was really economical in terms of that character development, too. Like, I don't yeah. think Troy was on screen very long at all, but, like, in terms yeah. of character density, like, and there she's was not a lot just, there. Yeah, and she's not just there to be, you know, exposition about somebody lying or whatever. She's, she's yeah. like, there to, like, actually be a three-dimensional person. Yeah, they really did a lot of things right with this episode. Darmok, Angelad, and Tanaga. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. It has been a long time coming that podshop.biz is as good as it is. The stuff on there is just really high quality and 
there's a ton of variety. We got t-shirts and sweatshirts, obviously, but we've got hats, we've got mugs, we've got water bottles, patches, mouse pads, shower shoes. There's so much great stuff on there. I'm really proud of what we have on offer. I'm proud that the store has a lot of really great size inclusive options. And uh, I think there's enough variety that just about any friend of DeSoto could find something that they'd really love to have in their collection at podshop.biz. So head over there and give it a look. Why don't you? Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Were there any other scenes you wanted to talk about? Yeah, there's there's one last scene I, I did want to talk about, which is uh, I think one of the later scenes in the science room when Worf shows up to do some kind of like mop up on the plan with Kalar and he brings Data and Data winds up just kind of being like third wheel to their further lover's quarrel. This is like the second straight episode where Data's used as a cock blocker. It's amazing how often he winds up playing that role. He's like, he's got this perfect fly on the wall view on, on uh, mammal mating strategies. Yeah, he has absolutely no self-awareness for for being used in that way. He's just right. interested in people. Yeah, you would think after a little while, I'd be like, uh, Worf, I don't know if I do want to go down to the fucking science lab with you and your girlfriend. <laughs> she seems pissed right now. Yeah, between, between that lack of self-awareness and him just sticking his appendages into things, like, <laughs> he's not very streetwise, is he? No. Well, hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find a drunk Shimoda in this episode? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! <laughs> I did. I, I had to give it to Worf for completely losing his cool in the meeting at the <laughs> beginning. Worf has a long history on this show of being a hothead, but he's usually a hothead in circumstances that merit it at all. Mm-hmm. Like, he he is so unprofessional in this meeting. Like, he doesn't... And he doesn't even acknowledge it. Like, I can't even imagine being like, well, let's get the meeting started the way Picard does. <laughs> like, yeah, especially when the Admiral is like, Captain Picard, you are ordered to eat this woman's shit. Like, like whatever she says goes. 
you've got to fulfill this mission. And I guess Worf isn't under that same uh, that same order because she because Worf is just a total dick to her the entire time. Yeah, and uh, and really just doesn't keep his cool in a way that uh, I felt was very Shimoda like. Yeah, and we should say Jim Shimoda is our favorite character from episode episode two of the series uh and he gets real drunk and we like that so we named an award after him yeah we always think about jim shimoda every episode uh i also found wharf to be my drunk shimoda but for a completely separate event okay so wharf's big plan is that uh instead of blowing this klingon ship out of the sky they're gonna dress up as Klingons and pretend that he's the captain and Kalar is the first officer of the Enterprise. Right. Did you think, like, actually transferring command to him was necessary? Because that's what happened. Like, he does the thing. He he convinces the Tong that he's the captain of the Enterprise and it's all good. And then, you know, they end communications and Picard and Riker come out of the ready room. They're like, hey, great job on your first command. Worf is like, great, I, I transfer command back to you, Captain. Like, that wasn't necessary at all. <laughs> I can only imagine that Worf knew it wasn't necessary and somehow convinced the Captain that, like, to help him get into character, that was the only way he was going to be able to do it. Like, look, man, you got to give me the command codes. You got to make me Captain. It's the only way this thing is going to work. And yeah. Picard, for some reason, is like, yeah, go ahead. So the idea of Worf asking for command of the ship and getting it, I think, is a totally drunk Shimoda move. I think I might give a little half Shimoda to Picard for actually <laughs> for allowing that to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that didn't make sense at all to me. Because he didn't have to be captain to pull that yeah. off. Good times. Fair enough. I am as cute as a ball. Lock faces on that vessel. I am as cute as a ball. What do we have coming up on the next episode? Next episode is Season 2, Episode 21, Peak Performance. A simulated war game turns deadly when the crew is ambushed by a Ferengi battleship. Do you remember this episode, Adam? Uh, This is where they put Riker in a jalopy, right? To fight the Enterprise. And then the Ferengi think that that's a pretty weird scene and they decide to stick their giant ears into it. Yeah, and I think this is also the one where um, Data and a weird alien are, like, playing some video game against each other where they put their fingers in, like, in those, like, automatic milking machines that they put on cow udders and, like, wave them around. See, that (laughs) part I don't remember. (laughs) You don't remember that You remember the weirdest parts, Ben. I just remember the, like, the the stuff that, that... you remember the, the weird French accordion that I am today. You remember the weird French accordion that looked like uh, jerking off bongs, and you remember the cow milker video game. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Yeah, I think I remember more about this one than most other early season episodes. I'm kind of excited to see this one again. Yeah, me too. So, what? we have to do now is say our good nights and good lucks to everybody. I promise that we will get back to opening Star Trek trading cards uh, probably next episode or so. Uh, no no, uh, no good explanation for why we've taken such a long break from that other than uh, we had other stuff we wanted to talk about. But uh, don't worry. 
you can find us on Twitter using the hashtag greatestgen. I'm at Benjamin A-H-R, and Adam is at Cut for Time. Uh, we have a rollicking good time all week, every week, using the hashtag greatestgen, talking to people about the show on Twitter. Uh, you can also go to Reddit. The Maximum Fun Reddit is slash r slash maximum fun and the greatest gen one is slash r slash greatest gen one of those is for good behavior one of those is for bad behavior uh, i think you know yeah. which is which you know which is which um we're still running our contest jim shimoda plus contest at gmail.com just take a pick of your five star itunes review send it to us and there's two ways you can win a t-shirt funniest review is going to be one reward and random selection uh, is going to be the other reward. So, uh, so I mean, I think the the good game theory is just write the funniest one you can because uh, you know you put yourself high in the ranking for one and you still got a chance at the other. I'm not against something that's ultra complimentary too to win that. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm not against that. Also, Ben, uh, shout out the email address because you, I think you made it. You gave the subject line as the email address on that? Like Jim Shimoda plus contest at gmail.com. Oh, really? So so that is a totally separate email address that people are using. That's not a subject line thing. No, no, no. The So the email address, you can add a, a plus on a Gmail and it'll like put it in a special box. Well, I've, so been, I've been misinterpreting that from the start. I thought that was a subject line uh, thing to do. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so I'm an idiot. Please. So I doubt any of our listeners were as mistaken as as I have been. Yeah. Well, I'll uh, I'll stay up all night wondering about that now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, please we, enter the we contest. We edit these episodes, right? Yeah, we're trying to get to 500 iTunes reviews, and uh, we really appreciate all the great ones. So if you've already written one, you are just as eligible for this contest as anybody it's not just one shirt like once we get to 500 we are just going to make the one shirt and stop i mean initially we're going to make the one shirt but 500 is the threshold at which we can start producing fun merch so yeah that's pretty big for us it's gonna be great we should thank dark materia for our music what fun it is to listen to that music i like get it stuck in my head all the time it's a banger it it is a banger makes that ship rock You might want to listen to that in the bedroom more than watching popping videos. (laughs) Really puts you up over the top. (laughs) That's a deep cut right there. Do we have any other uh, any other uh, business we need to attend to? I think we're done here. Yeah, I think we've done all we can. It's been fun talking about this episode. I look forward to talking about the next episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation with you uh, on our next episode. Good night. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.